Blog Talk Radio. Black Hole Radio presents Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. With your hosts, Rudolph Muhammad and Yusuf Muhammad. There's a train a coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the dealers coming. Don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. The train to Jordan Picking up passengers Coast to coast Faith is the key Open the doors and bottom Peace and blessings, peace and blessings. Welcome to another weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, a program that wants you to become self-reliant in taking appropriate action and response to any emergency. As the gospel singer Hezekiah Walker would sing, we need you to survive. I am your co-host, Brother Yusef Muhammad, along with our dear brother, Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad, who will uh, navigate uh, today's program, which we feel blessed to have a panel of subject matter experts who will speak to a report that was developed uh, in terms of current concepts of the cytokine, uh, cytokine pardon me, research, a report from the ambiguity and vague applications in the diagnosis of prostate cancer and the disproportionate diagnosis and death men of color. 
Well, welcome to another weekly edition, um, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. Um, without further delay, because of out of respect to the time of the professionals we have on the line, I have our dear sister, Sister Dr. Patrice Muhammad of Health at Its Best. Our dear sister has over 30 years of clinical experience in internal medicine and primary care. She has 18 years experience in integrative medicine with a focus on whole food and herbal supplementation and highly effective non-toxic immunotherapy for bacterial and viral infections. In other words, healthcare, the natural way, a new health paradigm. We also have our dear brother, Brother Victor Muhammad, who is a biomedical research scientist who will come on first and lay the base for us. And we have Dr. Hisham Grice, a geneticist. Our dear sister, Sister Carol Muhammad, who's a registered nurse. Brother Minister Kareem Muhammad, we're expecting, of Covenant Consulting. So, and we may even have another guest. But as you know, brothers and sisters who, ladies and gentlemen, who come on on a regular basis, we thank you all for the honor of your ear and the privilege of your presence. And for our first-time listeners, we say welcome, welcome, welcome. We thank the all-wise, true and living God and the messenger, Messiah, for giving us this opportunity that we would come together once again on a weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, a program that uh, is produced by Black Hole Radio LLC every Friday from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock standard time. So let me get out of your way. I don't know if we have our dear brother, Brother Victor, on the line, uh, Sister Dr. Patrice. Yes. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, do we have Mr. Victor Muhammad on the line? I'm on the line. All right. Oh, there he is. Perfect. Thank you, Mr. Muhammad. By giving an overview of the research project and the reason the reason why we uh, had gone through such a great undertaking with that topic? Sure. It would uh, be my pleasure. In the name of God, the most gracious, the most merciful. The purpose for the prostate cancer data research study was several several um, purposes behind it. Number one, in the last three years, myself and my colleagues, including Dr. Patrice, have received a multitude of phone calls, emails, and personal communications from men of uh, African descent and family members and friends of men of African descent who had had a prostate cancer diagnosis at some point in their life. Some of them were more recent in terms of a couple of days from the time they communicated 
with us, and some of them were several years since they had had the prostate cancer diagnosis. Some of those people reported that they were in stage four cancer, uh, stage four prostate cancer diagnosis, and some of them stated that they had just been diagnosed with prostate cancer theoretically at a stage one. So when we began investigating the prostate cancer scenario about two years ago, I had had this matter placed on my desk several times, putting it aside because I did not want to deal with it. Uh, When I left biomedical research uh, probably 30 years ago, I didn't want to have anything to do with biomedical research anymore because I sat there at the highest levels, meaning the National Institutes of Health, Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, Howard University School of Medicine, and I saw the hypocrisy and the lies and the murder that was taking place with people and uh, and whatnot, and I wanted nothing to do with it anymore. But this prostate cancer thing kept presenting itself to me, and each time I pushed it away from my desk, it found its way back. So about two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I said, wait a minute, let me reconsider this. It seems as though somebody with power, uh, power over my life, wants me to look into this thing. So I contacted Dr. Patrice and several others, and I said we should investigate this. And what we decided to do was to find a single uh, or several methods, tools, apparatus that was being used by the medical industry to diagnose prostate cancer. So Dr. Patrice assembled the team. He was asked to be the lead author and lead investigator on the team uh, so that, and there was a reason for that, and we'll, we'll deal with that later if time permits, but she was asked to be the lead author on the research project team in investigating this prostate cancer uh, uh, prototype. So after reviewing the data, Sister Patrice and her team uh, presented the data, the findings, uh, about uh, two months ago, and we decided that we would formulate this data in a ma- in a manner that was publishable in such a manner that the public could interpret the data without having been trained in medicine or even in advanced science. The other purpose behind the, the study one of the problems with the African-American community, the black community in the Caribbean, and the black community on the continent that is called Africa, is that these are three populations that do not deal typically with science and mathematics. These are populations that tend to deal with mysticism and emotion and feelings. Mm. So in order to begin to train these populations, we 
asked Dr. Patrice to head up this project so that even these people on the project would begin to see that uh, facts and 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 making statements in the public is not something that you'd lightly do. Making statements mm-hmm. in the public is something for which you must assume great responsibility. You must be mature. You must be responsible. Your decisions must be always rooted in what's in the greater, what's in the best interest of the greater good. So we 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 had this project initiated so that it would begin to train our people to think uh, using mathematics and use data and mathematics before you make a decision in the public and have the data and the math to back your decision and support it. Now, there's one more, uh, there was one more premise behind why we pulled together this study, but we'll deal with that later because I want to give everybody the opportunity to raise questions, to give our honorable hosts the opportunity to query us, and we pray to God that we'll find the proper solutions and proper answers to respond responsibly to your questions. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to address the body. Thank you, uh, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. You just heard the voice of our dear brother, Brother Victor Muhammad, who's a biomedical research scientist, amongst other things. And uh, he laid the base in terms of how this uh, project came about and the several purposes by which um, he wanted to get involved. And uh, even not wanting to get involved, as he said, it was a higher power that was the catalyst that he would work with our dear sister, Sister Dr. Patrice Muhammad, who put this uh, concept together. And so, Sister Dr. Patrice, once again, to you and Brother Victor and the other uh, medical staff, the other doctors and those who are on your team, we here at Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule that you would inform our listening audience of what it is you're engaged in, what the objective is, and what your vision is. And so I know we spoke briefly prior to, and um, there was a thesis statement, correct, that was uh, put together in this research report? Yes, sir, absolutely. And we have our sister, Carol Muhammad who is a nurse who is uh, standing by to read the thesis statement. Yes. Good afternoon. Thank you, you Sister Carol. You're welcome. Yes, ma'am, loud and clear. Yes, ma'am, okay. loud and clear. Thank you. You're welcome. So the thesis statement for this project reads as follows. We have received a vast number of telephone calls, emails, and text messages with regard to prostate cancer diagnosis. It is well documented that men of African descent are diagnosed with an advanced stage of prostate cancer and appear to disproportionately die from the treatment in comparison to men of other racial backgrounds and ethnicities. 
This phenomenon appears to be in part due to aggressive diagnosing and overtreatment in men of African descent. The prevalence of prostate cancer diagnosis among men of African descent has caused us concern and called to question how is prostate cancer diagnosed, which is causing such a disparity. Therefore, we set out to find the definitive standardized criteria for the diagnosis of prostate cancer. Thank you so much, Sister Carol, for laying that base with the thesis statement. Um, Sister Dr. Patrice, I know we've been also joined by Dr. Hisham Grice, and if there's anything you want to interject before you bring him on or whoever you determine needs to come on in the sequence of informing our listening audience. The floor is now yours, uh, Sister Dr. Patrice. Thank you so much. Um, We appreciate the opportunity also, and I'd like to begin the next portion uh, in the name of God, the most merciful, the most beneficent God. We thank him for what we have uncovered for the benefit Mm -hmm of the black man in our community. I thank him for giving this this, uh, very important, critical uh, undertaking to Mr. Victor Muhammad for us to further explore and identify because men of African, uh, African descent are dying disproportionately from prostate, from what is termed prostate cancer. And you have an overdiagnosis and overtreatment that has been recognized in the medical literature. And I have a statement to read regarding that, uh, if time permits. However, I'd like to read the conclusion of the study we recently um, produced, and from that uh, thesis statement that Ms. Carol Muhammad read, this is the conclusion of our research project. The goal of this project was to discover a set protocol or protocol employed by oncologists, urologists, and radiologists that distinctly points out and makes clear the metrics, tools, and processes to diagnose prostate cancer and gain relevant information to significantly reduce the incidence and death of prostate cancer in men of African descent. However, as a result of our investigation, Of the literature, we were not successful in locating a definitive diagnostic criteria for prostate cancer. Mm. If there is a a standardized protocol for diagnosis, then it is not easily accessible. Therefore, after uncovering this critical discovery, it is imperative that we conduct further research to develop a definitive criteria for the diagnosis of prostate cancer 
with the goal of minimizing the tremendous gap that exists in the overdiagnosis and overtreatment of prostate cancer in men of African descent. Mm. Powerful, powerful. Again, on behalf of our listening audience, we want to thank you, Dr. Patrice and Brother Victor, for taking on what uh, is an awesome and great responsibility, taking on something that's very important to us as a community. Uh, Sister Dr. Patrice, um, I I know there's some things you said, if time permits, you want to uh, readdress, as did Brother Victor. So don't forget those points. We say our time is your time, and we want to be respectful of your time and the other subject matter experts that we have. But after hearing the thesis statement and the conclusion, let me ask on behalf of those who may have this thought, what, in your opinion, was predictable as you were reviewing the data? And what, based on that which you formulated, was surprising, if anything? Oh, thank you for that question. That is a very significant question, especially uh, being addressed to a medical person. Uh, I'll start with what was uh, not expected. Uh, Being a part of the medical community for nearly 30 years, it was understood. There There was an understanding that the diagnostic criteria that we use to diagnose prostate cancer, and I say we because I worked uh, in hematology oncology for several years, so, you know, right in the thick of cancer treatment. And mm-hmm. there are uh, parameters, they're um, subjective, though subjective, um, diagnostic, diagnostic tools that we use, and depending on the practice habits and experience of the medical professional or specialist, that determines the comfort level of any diagnostic tool or method that they use. Mm -hmm. And so what was surprising is when Mr. Mr. Victor Muhammad brought this to my attention, I thought, well, what do you mean diagnose prostate cancer? What do you mean how do they diagnose it? What do you mean what is it? Because, again, it's an assumption that, yes, we do PSA, we do digital rectal exam, we do biopsy, we can do uh, ultrasound. Uh, So I'm giving you uh, a list, a laundry list, if you will, of diagnostic methods. But when he said, okay, well, how was it diagnosed? And I I, I read off exactly what I just uh, told you, the -hmm. diagnostic factors that that are used. And he said, okay, well, is there one particular uh, standard? Is there is there a standard, not based upon just the subjective and the ambiguity of um, the, the, the expert? Is mm-hmm. there a finely 
delineated method by which you diagnose. I said, well, let me see. Maybe I'll look because when, when I was in hematology oncology over 10 years ago, there was not a, it was not a standardized method. Again, it goes on the practice habits and experience of the provider. The mm-hmm. Subjectivity, I got and so, you. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when I started looking, I said, wow, he, he's on to something. <laughs> no, it's not. And I know this is going to be um, very shocking to, um, to, the, to the medical community because to have someone of their community also state that, no, there is not uh, a standardized diagnostic um, method. And that was the most surprising to me is, mm. no, I did not find, based upon my research, which is, um, we're talking 1,300 studies and uh, data, mm. uh, data searches and more, you know, and more that's available that I just couldn't get to. It's more there. Um, however, with a sample size of, you know, almost one fifteen hundred studies, that should be a good enough sample size to gauge what that mm-hmm. standard is. And I've also searched the um, the major organizations uh, that uh, looking at cancer dot com or cancer dot org, the American Urological Association. Um, uh, ASCO, which is for uh, oncology specialists. Um, so when you're looking at all of those organizations and the specialists and looking for the criteria that they use, again, it's not consistent across the board. So that's, that's a major um, point that needs to be made so people can understand that um, when you're diagnosed with it, you can go and have a second opinion by, by someone else or even a third and have different, a different opinion of what that cell looks like, if it's cancerous or non-cancerous or non-malignant. The next um, question is, was, was there something that was expected? Well, Actually, I was expecting to find. <laughs> I was expecting to find the uh, answer to that your criteria, right? Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I was expecting to find that. That was that was something that I thought that I would find, and mm-hmm. I just need to just do enough data searches and information, and I would get it. But I but I did. So um, so I would just yes, you know, leave leave it at <laughs> leave the comment at that. No, thank you so much. Thank you so much for answering that question. Uh, First, let me say this to our listening audience. Those who have not dialed in to 563-999-3089, again, you can dial in if you're not online to 563-999-3089. And if you have any questions, comments, or constructive criticisms to share with our listening audience. Certainly, you press one on your phone pad, and the engineer will bring you into the studio. 
We've also been joined, as I understand it, by our co-host, Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad, who has, as Dr. Patrice and Brother Victor that I know of, have given their lives, sacrificed their lives to do what it is that God has blessed them to do in the uh, medical profession. And so, Brother Rudolph, if you're there and you have any questions for Sister Dr. Patrice, the floor is yours, sir. Brother Rudolph, are you there, sir? You know, we oftentimes say, Sister Dr. Patrice, that uh, technology is great. It's just not an exact science. So he's probably having some technical difficulty right now, but uh, I'm sure our engineer, Brother Forrest, will let him know time and circumstance permits. He can come right on and ask any questions, as well as our listening audience. Feel free to press one on your phone pad. You'll be brought into the queue, and you'll uh, be addressed by Mr. Dr. Patrice, Brother Victor, or any of the other subject matter experts, panelists we have on again uh, this evening in this week's edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. We're currently at uh, 429 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, Sister Dr. Patrice, if, if you want to segue, as you know, God is blessing you to see fit to bring on anyone else, uh, have your way, man. Oh, thank you, sir. Yes, I would like Dr. Hashem Grace is how it's pronounced. If we if we can have Dr. Grace to um, make a comment regarding um, the study, and actually, as a geneticist, has been doing some research for us and giving us some possible um, next steps towards the diagnosis of prostate cancer. So we, we have a board. We have an investigational review board. And he is one of the members. And if he would, he can move forward with a comment. Thank you, Dr. Patrice. Let me start with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And I can start that definitely the uh, the diagnosis of prostate cancer is a little bit ambiguous. There are better tools that are available, but not uh, readily available and publicized. And saying this, I don't want to put the burden on the physicians that they are the ones who are the cause of all this over-treatment and under-diagnosis, because I spoke with a couple of oncologists and a couple of urologists very well uh, uh, versed in it. And this is what I got from them, that since we are in a defensive medicine, if they miss one case and this case gets a complication, they will have to go for a disciplinary com- uh, the, the disciplinary committee in Springfield and they have to defend themselves why they uh, did not do the procedure. And as one of the oncologists told me, he told me, if I have two patients and you have exactly the same finds, one of them is Caucasian and one of them is African-American, 
I will have to go for a biopsy with the African-American because they are a high risk. I might defer the biopsy for some time for the Caucasian, but because they are high risk, I have to do that. I told him, okay, so why are you treating him if the biopsy is negative, for example, or that you can feel something, but you, you are not 100% sure? And he said, well, we give them the option, would you like the treatment, which is, and some, some people opt of having the uh, chemo or whatever, even though they are not sure. So I told him, why don't you go for a more advanced testing or a more advanced uh, diagnosis for? He said, yes, we would like to go, but still we have these limitations that to do a PCA3 score, you must have at least one negative biopsy. Even though the National Cancer Institute, they already validated it that if you, for first time biopsy while doing the PCA3, a score above 80, there is a, above 60, sorry, there is 80% chance that this biopsy will be positive. A score less than 20, there is a 90% chance that uh, no need for biopsy because this is probably there is uh, 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 there is no cancer in it. Between 20 and 60, this is the one that you have to uh, weigh weigh on it or maybe wait for a little and try to test. And this is validated by the National Cancer Institute. It is done on around 6,000 uh, patients already. There is another uh, uh, study done, and it is also validated by the National Cancer Institute regarding doing the uh, PCA and the free PCA and then the two PCA uh, uh, with a suffix too. With this, they have something uh, uh, called a PHI index. And with this index, what was found is that with the same group of patients, and these are not uh, talking about African-American only, we are talking about general population from the United States, that with the PHI, uh, with the people who have between 4 and 10, uh, uh, the level of PSA between 4 and 10, and with clinical uh, uh, exam, in this case, they had to do with the PSA alone, around 70% of them would uh, uh, require biopsy. However, when they did the PHI, they were able to reduce this number to 30%. So we are now in, in uh, at the intersection where we can have a better tools for diagnosis. And these tools has been validated from 2016 till now, but it is not very well popularized. And on top of that, some of these, they have restrictions in the billing that you cannot bill this before you do this. And here is the, situation now. I believe that when members of the Congress or the uh, local politicians, that somebody gives them this, this criteria, 
and the limitations that CMS is putting when you can do this diagnostic tool, when you cannot do this diagnostic tool, and make it readily available for everybody, especially for the people who they consider high risk, which is the uh, uh, African men of African American descent. If they are having the option for this, I believe that we can reduce the number of people who need the biopsy or they are preemptively treated even it is not proven to have a, a, a definitive diagnosis of cancer. I think we might be able to get it to reduce this number of of men who had to go for biopsy or other treatment by at least 50% of what's going on now, which I believe this is enough as a start. And until we get a much more sophisticated and better diagnostic tools. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Grace. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. You said so much in your approach to the next steps. Um, you know, you sort of answered the question I had, I guess you did, in the sense of you kept mentioning the National Cancer Institute and um, the disciplinary committee. You know, I really wanted to know what agency is the authority that you're looking to get the answer of, you know, um, being authenticated? What agency authenticates what it is that you're striving for in the next steps, you don't have to answer it now, Doctor Grace. But that was one. No, question. I can tell you, the American Medical okay, Association, ahead. American Medical Association, oh, they okay. put they put the uh, 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 ICD-10 codes, which is the medical necessity for oh. doing a procedure or doing a test. And depending okay. on this medical necessity, you have the CPT code, which is the code for this procedure, whatever it is, if blood glucose, for example, has a code, a urine analysis has a code. So there is a code which is called the CPT code. And then they are deciding that to, to do this procedure, which is this genetic testing, the PCA3, or to do the PHI, which is a serologic testing, which are expensive tests, they are putting that you must have a, uh, one biopsy at least that was negative in order to do the test so that Medicare pays for it or Medicaid for it or the insurance company pays for it. Okay, why are you putting this even though the National Cancer Institute already validated that for first-time biopsy, it has a very good positive predictive value and negative predictive value? Why are you putting that you have to do the biopsy and if it is negative, you can't do the test? No, and this was in the 2016, but in 2020, they already validated it that it is a good tool for uh, 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 to, uh, allowing the physician to take uh, the decision to do biopsy or not to do the biopsy, to rule out doing the biopsy instead of uh, a PCA that is elevated Go ahead and do the biopsy. If it is negative, I will do this test. And you are screwing up the, the person, his life, his morale, his sex drive, everything by just doing the biopsy. Why would you do this? I can rule half of this just by allowing this to be without 
that you have to, you must have one negative biopsy. The PHI as well. Oh, you must be between four and ten with the PCA so that we can give you this PHI. And if it is higher, no, you have to go for a biopsy first. And then if it is negative, we go the other test. So all these fine uh, numbers or fine uh, text, uh, yes, this is available, but you ha you ha in order to do it, you have to have this. If this is removed, at least for the high-risk population, like they are uh, doing it, for example, uh, uh, something like that for the breast cancer, the BRCA1 and BRCA2, okay, it was right. limited, but now they opened it, the mammograms and all this. You have to allow this, these tools, at least you will have 50%, and this actually will be beneficial because the, the, they pay for the biopsy much more than they pay for the test. Yeah, well, you know, you said it a lot again, uh, Dr. Grace, because when, when, again, you, you talked about the American Medical Association being the end-all, be-all, there are some who, you know, take the position that they're more of a business than they are a healing industry, you know. And so when you talked about billing, economics, you talked about other things that uh, uh, led one to think about political and the politics involved because just from a health wanting to be healed point of view, why, and anyone can answer this, um, is this high-risk label put on black people? Is it because of pre-existing conditions, comorbidities? Is there something in our melanin that naturally, you know, so thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, dear brother. Dr. Grace for uh, laying that out and going even deeper based on my question. And I heard your salutation, so you know I'm obligated to return the greetings. As-salamu alaykum, sir. Amin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, uh, Sister Dr. Patrice, I'll let you uh, move us forward. And, um, again, I don't want to forget uh, Brother Victor that he had something as well that he wanted to uh, lay on this most critical program as it relates to me <laughs> as a black man in America. So thank you again, Dr. Grace. Dr. Patrice, the floor is yours, man. Thank you so much. And I was thinking I'm definitely going to have Mr. Victor Muhammad to make his statement after one one uh, observation while you all were talking about the business of the AMA instead of a healing industry. There's a book called Money Driven Medicine. I'm looking at right now. I was looking at mm. something else, and this came up. <laughs> Money Driven Medicine, the, re the real reason healthcare costs so much by Maggie mm. uh, Mayer. Okay. And that's M-A-H-A-R, if anybody wants to read that. But I'd like to uh, ask Mr. Victor Muhammad to please give us the information that uh, he wanted to give. Uh, he said, if time permits, I think we would definitely like to hear the, you said you have one, uh, one more premise and whatever uh, you'd like to also share with us um, that's important for us to know, sir. Okay, thank you, Dr. Patrice. The, the other 
I believe is critical to the African-American or the so-called African-American is um, our lack of understanding in the illusion in which we live called America and the West is one of the greatest threats to our existence and life. Sad because we don't realize it. We are the victim victims of a reality to which we fall victim on a daily basis. And one of the one of the greatest methods of surgically removing uh, as many of the so-called African-American population is through surgical strikes through medicine. Mm-hmm. Now, take what I'm about to say. One of the things that takes place in the African-American community is that generally we talk too much. We say things that are not true. We deal a lot in what is called dogma. Dogma is to say something as though it's a fact when you have no data to support what you say. That is the African-American community. We have been trained in the last 100 years to listen to people and follow people who entertain us. So the greatest people who are advocated and raised in the African-American community are comedians. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pause for a second to give you time to catch up to that. Mm -hmm. Comedians. Next are rappers dancers, actresses, actors, and sports figures. I'm not going to deal personally with those people, but more so with the, with the um, organizations with which they operate. What other population on the earth will allow any of those people who I name to be leaders in their community. Imagine that. Yet, yet, these are the people that are presented to us mm-hmm. and who are, who are raised in our presence and after whom we pattern ourselves. Mm. So uh, this is another reason the so-called African-American community is in a dire strait in a dire condition where our women, after being told more than 70 years ago to get rid of Caucasian male OBGYNs, and this is if you take a cross-section of the African-American population, I don't care what you call yourself. I don't care what is your religion or your lack of religion, your, your class, your occupation. If you take a cross-section of the African-American female, the vast majority of them today still have Caucasian male OBGYNs. 
You place your feet in a stirrup, and you allow a male human who is Caucasian to examine you. You can't see what he's doing, but then you end up with ovarian and cervical cancer. You come away with ovarian cysts and and uh, tubular cysts on mm-hmm. your fallopian tubes. Mm-hmm. Then when you're 22, 23 years old, you're told that you need an ovarectomy or hysterectomy, mm-hmm. both, of which, both of which renders you sterile at 20, 22, 23 years of age. So if you take a population sample from Miami, Florida, up to Richmond, Virginia, on the 95, Interstate 95 corridor, and mm-hmm. just randomly query black women, and it would shock you at the number that you have found, that you will find, who have been diagnosed with ovarian and, and, ovarian and uh, uh, fallopian tube cysts, or they've had an ovarectomy or hysterectomy. Mm-hmm. You take that number, then you take a population, and Dr. Dr. Patrice and her team have isolated these numbers, and if Dr. Tr- Dr. Patrice or anyone chooses to speak on it, they can, but I think that they might want to just take my word for it. So you take the number of African-American males who are now being diagnosed with prostate cancer as early as 35 years of age, mm-hmm. and that those persons are hurriedly told to begin immediately the same day that they received the diagnosis, and I put diagnosis in parentheses because it deserves some special attention. Mm-hmm. They are taken upstairs, and they're started on chemo, radiation, uh. hormonal drugs, or a combination of the three. And quite often, that leaves them sterile. Then there's another population of African-American males who receive a quote-unquote diagnosis of prostate cancer, and they are, the prostate is surgically removed, or uh, greater than that, other parts of the male reproductive system is removed. Now, you're in fact... Uh, sterile. So now you're sterilizing males under the guise of prostate cancer. You're sterilizing black females under uh, fibroid and ovarian cysts, breast and cervical cancer, where you're removing the reproductive tract of the African-American female. Then you've got uh, uh, approximately five to uh, three million Three million uh, people incarcerated, males in this country, 72% of those males are of African descent. So we're talking about 2.7 million black men in prison. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's another huge number of reproductive age men who are not in the reproductive pool in the secular society. Then you go to the colleges and universities, the Mm so-called HBCUs, 
Mm. And those, mm. that, that's one of the primary uh, mm. conduits for mm-hmm. producing homosexual black males. It's fostered in the African, it's fostered in the historically black colleges and universities. I have been a professor at at least three or four of them myself, so I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I know what's fostered in those populations and in those communities. I resigned from an from an HBCU, one of the one of the largest and most popular ones in the country, because uh, because I got tired of fighting with the administration because I wouldn't submit to it and I wouldn't allow it, and I wouldn't allow them to come into my class dressed a certain way and acting a certain way and I threatened mm-hmm. them and I put them out and they would go to the dean and I asked the dean I said dean I give you two choices you can you can fire me or you can let me run my class and those are the only choices I would give the dean but they wouldn't fire me so I was able to run my class the way a man is supposed to run a class or a household so we take all these factors And we add these factors, and then I allow the person who's reasonable to ask his own question, is this a coincidence or is this a strategy? You see, you must know the history of the American Medical Association. You must know the history of it. Med schools and and schools like that in the latter part of the 19th century were public institutions. But the international bankers in the latter part of the 19th century decided mm-hmm. that they would make med schools an exclusive institution and make medical doctors an exclusive body. So mm-hmm. only the elite and the aristocrats in the 1900s, early 1900s, up to 1940, when after World War II, the government started allowing others like black males and poor Caucasians to attend medical school with the GI Bill and other things. But before that, only the aristocrats could go to med school because of the expensiveness of it. And you mm-hmm. would need like a letter from a U.S. congressman or a U.S. senator in order to get in there. So now, before that, you had the physician. And a physician and a medical doctor are not synonymous, and people need to understand that. We Mm. will always need physicians, always. But we will be replacing medical doctors because the amount of damage that is and has been done by medical doctors, we can no longer sit back and allow allow that to be perpetrated on the people. The last point that I'll make regarding Uh, what I wanted to inform the uh, listening body is that uh, my job, which is part of why we did the the, uh, research study where we did a data review, is because my job extends beyond the African-American community. The job that I have been given is includes every human being on the planet. Mm -hmm. And my language has been formulized where it will reach anyone because humanity 
is suffering at the hands of Western medicine. And if you travel outside the U.S., you will find that the people of the planet have grown tired of Western medicine, drugs, and doctors, and they want no more of it. So go into Kenya and Tanzania and Morocco and Algeria, Tunisia, Senegal, Cote d'Ivoire, South Africa. Go into Haiti, Trinidad, and Tobago. The people no longer want Western medicine, and they're seeking a solution. But the solution must come from people who are rooted in God, people who are rooted in a desire to serve the greater good. And unless you hear a man using language such as what's in the best interest of the greater good, then you should be apprehensive of him, and you should probably not follow or listen to him. That's the other part that I wanted to add. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We thank Allah for you, Brother Victor, for sharing that. You know, in listening to you, so many things came to my mind, everything from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Many of us may be familiar with this quote when he says, he who gives you the diameter of your knowledge prescribes for you the circumference of your activity. And so when you talked about those so-called spokespersons for the black community, the comedians, the rappers, the actors, sports figures, I mean, no other place on the planet does that foolishness take place. I'm glad you raised the question, is it coincidence or strategy, and gave us the history of the medical uh, industry. And sometimes we talk too much, you know. We talk too much. It's not based on, as you said, the data, but more dogma. The more we can do better, listening audience, and of course, I want to encourage the listening audience that if you have any questions, comments, or constructive criticism, come on in and ask Brother Victor, Dr. Patrice, Dr. Grace, if he's still on. And we want to thank our dear sister, Sister Carol, for giving us that thesis statement of these current concepts in the cytokine uh, research. So, again, we're at the top of the hour, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. We, We want to thank you all joining us here at Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Oh, what a heavy program, what a heavy program. And, you know, last yes, year, uh, B- Brother Victor, um, when you talked about the uh, has to be a God-centered solution where we can turn adversity into advantage, we can turn trials into triumph, we can turn uh obstacles into opportunities because we're dealing with brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, and, and Brother Rudolph and the staff yes, usually sir. calls me the disaster, <laughs> the pastor of disaster. Brother Rudolph, I'm going to get out of your way, but I have to say it because it was just said at our Savior's Day convention. And for those of you yes, who sir. read scripture, the Bible, you can go to the book of Revelation. And this reminds me of Babylon. Babylon is fallen, is fallen. She's become a habitation of devils, right. a hole for every foul spirit, and 
a cage for every unclean and hateful bird. So it gives me great pleasure to bring on at the top of the hour our dear brother co-host, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, sir. The floor is yours. Welcome, salam, sir. No, sir. No, we're gonna we're gonna get right back to them. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, greet everybody and let you know I I was on. I have been listening. When I did get on, I didn't want to interrupt the flow because the information that they are talking about is much too important. That's it right. is such Prices. a heavy topic. Yes. 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 Well, again, to our listening audience, and thank you, Brother Rudolph, for having respect for our uh, guest time. Um, we talked about Dr. Patrice, an hour of power. We're about at that time, but the floor is yours. You can take as much time as you'd like, but we want to respect your time. So, Dr. Patrice, the floor is yours at this time, man. That's right. Thank you. Thank you so much for you both hosting us and taking on this uh, this major, massive um, undertaking, again, to educate for the better in our community. And I just have one more statement to make, and it's actually regarding the PSA, because when it comes to prostate cancer, PSA is still used as a major diagnostic factor and tool, even though it only can predict 3.8% of all, well, what they say, you know, 3.8% of all PSAs that are done have linked of any clinical significance for prostate cancer. So the doctor that actually invented PSA, uh, Dr. Richard Ablin, and he wrote in this article, it says the doctor who invented PSA test calls it, in quote, a profit-driven public mm. health disaster. Wow. He states in this article, prostate cancer is a tricky disease because the cancer grows so slowly. A great many men who are diagnosed with prostate cancer will die of something else long before the symptoms of the cancer catch up with them. As Adlin points out, because the PSA testing is pervasive, American men have a 16% lifetime chance of receiving a diagnosis of prostate cancer, but only 3%, 3% chance of dying from it. Mm. He goes on to state, I'll read this, this last, Statement. As I've been trying to make clear for many years now, PSA, PSA testing can't detect prostate cancer. And more important, it can't distinguish between the two types of prostate cancer, the one that what? will kill you and the one that won't. So that was from him. And then I'll go to um, briefly where the um, PubMed, it's, um, a state, it's an abstract written regarding prostate cancer overdiagnosis and overtreatment. And it says, to summarize the evidence, now extensive, that, of, that efforts to reduce prostate cancer mortality by screening and early detection result in overdiagnosis of disease that is clinically insignificant 
and would never have been diagnosed in the person's lifetime in the absence of screening. Overdiagnosis may result in overtreatment, which is the case of prostate cancer, often carries significant long-term quality of life effects. Okay, and so it Mm -hmm. goes on to state in the summary that active surveillance is a powerful solution to the problem of overdiagnosis and overtreatment associated with screening for prostate cancer. For the 40 to 50 percent of patients with a favorable risk prostate cancer, it often it offers the benefit of personalized medicine, personalized medicine now. I mean, we're, talking, we're not talking about one size fits all. We're not talking about this particular group. The benefit mm-hmm. of personalized medicine, avoiding mm-hmm. treatment and related quality of life effects altogether in the majority and providing definitive management for the minority who are reclassified with higher risk disease over time. Okay, so, so that's, that's just one out of many. And this study was a 20-year, let me look at this again. This, is a, this was a 20-year, right, uh, there was a 20-year outcome. There was a 20-year outcome following the conservative management of clinically localized Prostate cancer. Mm. I'm sorry, that's, this is the second. This is another um, study, which is an akin to the one that I just um, read from. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so, again, um, I just wanted to make that point. I wanted to drive that point home. I know that uh, the, the hour is getting late, but I wanted to drive that point home also before we conclude it so that men of African-American descent or African descent know that they do not have to run and rush to any treatment, especially not an invasive biopsy, because as Dr. Grace mentioned and pointed out, there are some other non-invasive, more positive predictive um, value of the test um, that that they can have done, and again, we'll we'll go further into that at some of our other um, programs, which we're just going to look into it. We're just going to look into mm-hmm. some other things that will get our uh, black men in to be tested because they don't go in to be tested because they most they don't want the blood drawn, they don't want a digital rectal rectal exam, which I don't I don't blame them, mm-hmm. but we have to develop a, a way a mechanism of standardized diagnostic criteria that can be helpful. And that is one of our uh, next goals. So, so thank you. And I, if anybody else has something to share, I just want to thank you so very much because this is such an important um, task for us to uh, give to the community, especially those of uh, African-American descent um, we really want to drive that point home and know that they have people working on their behalf, as uh, Mr. Victor Muhammad said, really for all of humanity, uh, and especially right. with this particular topic, because 
um, black men are disproportionately affected, we, we want to have some solutions that make an impact on our community. Beautiful. Thank you, Dr. Patrice Muhammad. And I don't think we're finished Thank because you. I know we're availing no, no, we're ourselves to no, you sir. and your team whenever you want to come on and give an update of the landscape. But we also know that we had our dear brother, Minister Kareem Muhammad, in the studio with uh, Covenant Consulting. I didn't know if he was going to uh, partake in if so, certainly he can do that. But we also want to know, and it sounds like Brother Rudolph is on the edge of his seat, um, we also would like <laughs> to know that uh, uh, in terms of next steps, problem. is there a number or a website that somebody may call if they have additional questions and or is it someone, something in our – uh, with our listening audience that they could do to maybe assist you in the next steps? How do we want to do that? Because we know this is about community investment, community involvement, community partnership, or community risk reduction. So I don't know, Sister Patrice, um, how you want to handle that. If Brother Minister uh, Kareem is on, we want to give him an opportunity if that's your desire. And then... Uh, if you could answer those questions. Thank you. Yes. Um, thank you, dear brother. I wanted, you, you mentioned about risk reduction and as well as Victor mentioned about, brother Victor mentioned about how the cross-state problem among our people, a challenge, it affects their it affects their, their, their natural ability to reproduce. Dr. Grace even mentioned how it affects the person's ability to have a decent sex life. So in that, what I have come to realize in my studies is that prostate cancer, as we look at how many men it's affecting, it's also affecting just that amount of families. So if we have if we have 40 million men, then we really have 40 million families, and multiply that by three, being the wife and the children, because everybody is affected. Um, so mm-hmm. this this is a of course something designed to disrupt the natural flow of family. Now it just so happened that on March the 13th of last year. I had what's called angioedema. I had a swelling around my eyes that was causing my skin to get really dry and pussy. I took my I took myself to the hospital immediately because it had been like that for about five days. Mm-hmm. When I went to the hospital, they took my blood pressure, and they said basically, "The hell with the swelling of your skin. Your your blood pressure." Is about to take you out of here. Well, this was the fourth time that this had happened to me, where Dr. Patrice was the first one who diagnosed me and said, Minister Kareem, on a scale of 1 to 10, if a stroke is at 10, you at 14. Mm. So I've been stuck in the prevention of, 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 of blood pressure, high blood pressure, kidney failure, liver failure, 
and then recently over the last six months, prostate inflammation. Mm-hmm. And what I have found was in my study of high blood pressure that that's just a sign of something that's going on in your system, that if men have a swelling or an increase or swelling in prostate or they have high blood pressure, then more than likely they have inflammation of the prostate. They have a problem with the kidneys. They have a problem with the liver. They have a problem with the blood flow. So I've been really focusing on prevention. If we were blessed today to help cure every man that has prostate cancer immediately, we would still get men falling in line with prostate cancer if we don't work on prevention. And that's Mm -hmm. something that I have been focused on is starting with men in their 40s or 50s, but now since I've been a uh, are blessed to be a part of this team, it's new to me that find out that men in their mid-30s are being diagnosed with prostate cancer and types of illnesses. So it's, it's very important that we look at prevention. And one of the things that I found in my research of other well-credible doctors on how they are really contributing to our rate of blood pressure problems among black people, particularly black men, is the food that we eat and what they put mm-hmm. in our food. Oof. And the honorable, many of these doctors, they, if I could just spell it out real simple that I study, what I have studied, their words are, Follow How to Eat to Live 1 and 2 by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That's right. Go ahead. Many of them, many of them have said, eat as much garlic as you can. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they give a lot of, and now, of course, they don't want to give us credit for eating one meal a day. They call it, in, you know, intermittent fasting, uh, mm-hmm. OMAD, for one meal a day. Mm-hmm. But it's not just one meal a day today that will do it. It's not just the garlic today that will do it. They're poisoning us through our food, mm-hmm. which is causing us to have inflammation in our system. So I've been blessed to have my blood pressure go way down, not with just taking my medication, but being able to reduce it and by changing my habits of what I eat. And now it's to the point where you can't just go to the store and grab you know, garlic, you can just grab, you know, grab your vegetables and fruits. Many of the things that we're eating now, we read, we've been taught to read, or Dr. Lean told me, he asked me this. He said, he was the first one to diagnose me, the first one to see me. He said, Brother Minister, how do you read? Do you know how to read a label food? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, how do you read a label? I said, the first ingredient is the one that's the most, the last is the one at the least. He said, no. If you can read an ingredient on what you're buying to eat, you can't buy it because there are no ingredients on apples and oranges and fruits mm-hmm. and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Right. And listening to that, it has changed my life drastically. But I will hope in the near future that I will have information, more information on food other than just the things to eat or the things not to eat 
but also to help to develop a co-op where we can get whole food, real organic food that our people can eat, and we can start reversing the process of our men and our families suffering from this prostate cancer and and blood clotting and uh, high blood pressure. Thank you for allowing me to have a few words to say, and I am honored. No, we thank you, dear Brother Minister Kareem, for sharing that wonderful testimony. All praise is due to Allah. You know, it reminds me of a quote my father used to say all the time, my biological father. He said, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And, brother, you just laid it out based on your personal testimony. And, again, uh, Sister Dr. Patrice, I'm going to let Brother Rudolph come in, but, you know, just listening to Brother Minister Kareem's testimony, again, if there's a contact number and or website, our listening audience might want to share what they've gone through uh, uh, or if it's beneficial to you and or not, but just so that we can be a part of that network of community investment, community involvement, community partnership, and community risk reduction. So thank you, uh, Brother Minister Kareem, once again. And Brother Rudolph, the floor is yours, beloved. Thank you. Brother Rudolph, are you there, sir? Brother Yusuf, uh, go ahead. I'll come back in. I'll come back in. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, Sister Dr. Patrice, is there a contact number? We need to uh, stay in touch with you and or your team. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, The contact information can come to me, and then I will – give the information to the other members as as the requests come in. If there's a request for Minister Kareem, I will make sure he gets it. Uh, a request for Mr. Victor Muhammad, Dr. Grace, or Ms. Carol Muhammad, I'll make sure everyone gets the, um, the information or the contact. And that contact information is www health at its best dot org dot org so health at its best dot org email is health at its best the number one at gmail dot com and phone number is seven seven three two three four three three one nine so they could actually initiate contact through the contact us option on the website or send an email, whichever is preferred, or place a phone call. Beautiful. Thank you, Dr. Patrice. And, again, on behalf of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, our listening audience, I don't guess anyone wanted to come in and ask any questions. We just want to thank our panelists that you uh, put together on your team, our dear brother, yeah, Mr. Muhammad, right. Dr. Hisham Grace, Sister Carol Muhammad, Brother Minister Kareem Muhammad, for the opportunity 
to share with our listening audience such a heavy, heavy, heavy subject, certainly to be continued. Okay, here we go now. Welcome to Disaster (laughs) Awareness for Community Preparedness. Could you please state your name and where you're calling from and how may we serve you? Hello, did someone call in? Brother, brother, it's Brother Allah. Brother Allah, you on the air, brother? Assalamualaikum. Can you hear me? Waalaikum well, salam, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, uh, I just had a, I had a couple of questions for the panelists, but uh, they 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 got straight to it. I didn't even have to ask the question anymore. But I just can't. I'm just going to give y'all the greetings and let y'all conduct the show. Um, assalamualaikum to everybody and family. I, 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 they answered all the questions that I wanted to answer. I just wanted to see what, uh, what, what the follow-up is going to be on this information. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sister Patrice. Um, if, if, if I may, I'll say this before Sister Patrice, um, comes in again, because I can't let you go that easy, sir. Um, you know, this show is a solution-based show, and we are known to deal with the topics nobody else wants to deal with, and we are known to make those radical, bold statements nobody else wants to make. Therefore, being as such, we're in as much. My claimer is this is Brother Rudolph Muhammad talking, and this should not be contributed to Black Hole Radio uh, disaster awareness for community preparedness, or any of the uh, this is attributed to Brother Rudolph Mother. So here we go. So with all the information that y'all just gave us, so now we have awakened a sleeping giant. And as my wife always criticizes me, and I love her for this because she said she calls me Doctor Doom and Gloom. She said you're great at giving the information and scaring the bejesus out of people, but you're not so good at giving the other side to it of once you scare the hell out of them, giving them the information that they can calm down and understand that they're not doomed because there's just no hope. So what I would like to know is this, or what I would like you to put out to the people to let them know it's okay, so we're telling them the food is, po- is poison, the water is poison, the air is being poisoned. That's a given. It's like geometry. That's the given in the problem. So now, this, what are some of the solutions to the problem, regardless to what the larger establishment may think, feel, or say, regardless to whom or what, what they may think, feel, or say? We know for a fact how to eat to live works. We know that. That's right. We know for a fact one meal a day works. We have case studies of this amongst us. Um, so being yes. people, being people who uh, are in the business of people, how do we get the people to really understand what their option is here 
unless we put it out there emphatically, like if we're texting in all capital letters. Okay. Um, brother, may, may I address that, please? May I address that, dear brother? Oh, we're not going to Okay. Um, As-salamu well, well, alaykum. sir. Oh, your, the question, the answer that sticks out to me to your question, which I thank you so much for your statement and what you have to say. I really appreciate it. What you said was very valuable, and it was needed. There is one thing that I did not mention. I just briefly went over it. One of the main solutions is fasting, as Honorable Ray tells us. Generally, right. we change our change our food, change our diet. Today, it has to be down to a science. As you said, we've been poisoned through the air. You know, we have to change everything, even the water we drink. Trust me, they have things called PFAS now that get in your system, and they said they can't get out. But if we do what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad told us and to fast, then we can clean the poisons out of our system. Now, brother, I feel your passion, and I know you want to get information to the people. But what I can see you running into is what myself and other members uh, of the research team have ran into, and that's people that do not listen. So the Quran says to Prophet Muhammad that will you grieve yourself to death because they do not listen. Your duty is but only a clear delivery of the message. When we come yes, to math, our math teacher said, don't get stuck on one problem, move to the next. We're over 70 million problems out here. As you disseminate and give the information to our people, don't don't get stuck on the one that won't listen. Go to the one who will, and will be successful. Thank you, dear brother. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. I I would like to um, bring Sister Carol to the um, to the forefront to make a comment. She's asking that she'd like to make a comment, please. Oh yes. yes um, I wanted to say that, you know, in nursing, we're taught to use the best practices in order to get the best outcomes that we want to see for our patients. And I wanted to just briefly go back to uh, part of the thesis statement that um, when, when you're getting calls from men who are saying that they are receiving or that they are uh, being diagnosed with what is being called as a cancer uh, from a PCA test. Now, if the PCA test, I'm sorry, the PSA test, I I humbly apologize, the prostate-specific antigen, the PSA test, if that's the uh, foremost indicator that is still being used to diagnose what prostate cancer is off of a screening tool, then that is 
that should be highly alarming to any man. And, and the reason why I say that is because all throughout the literature and even what you may get at a doctor's office, they indicate to you that there are other reasons why a PSA test is eligible. It goes back to what Dr. Patrice was talking about. Uh, and, you know, the use of this tool to diagnose someone, the other conditions that can cause it from infection, from uh, a condition called benign prostatic hyperplasia, which is an enlargement of the prostate gland, any type of trauma, these are things that men, our men need to know and question. So when they go in and they have these tests done and they're given a result, then they know what to, they know what, what to say when they're in the office and it's not said to them. It should be said, let's look further into this as opposed to let's go to chemotherapy or radiation or whatever the detrimental effects uh, that can lead to them being treated for some a condition that either they do not have or that it might not be the something that a condition that would cause them to actually lose their life. I hope that made sense. But what what I also wanted to say is. You have to also know that you have options. You can ask for other opinions. You could get a second or a third opinion. You don't have to go with the first opinion. Dr. Grice talked about coding. I used to do, uh, I, I used to work as a RN chart reviewer, which means that I went in and I coded conditions that maybe doctor's offices missed so that they could be, you know, your payers can get, receive money from Medicaid, Medicare. Um, And this is, cancer was was the predominant uh, chronic condition that we coded for. The higher the specificity of the code, the more funds they got. So just, I just wanted to make, everything everyone said was so beautiful and so thought provoking. And I just wanted to make sure that just from a nursing perspective, that know that you can, you know that there's other conditions that can cause an increase in your PSA test and know that you have options um, from a screening that should go into uh, uh, getting other opinions from other practitioners to help in the diagnosis of whatever condition you may have going on with your prostate. That's all I have. Thank you, Sister Carol. Um, Let let me interject this into that, Brother Yusuf, before you come in. that's where I'm, that's one of the things I was going to. Okay, so 
We're telling them what's going on. We're telling them what's okay. What are their options now? So most people, what they're hearing, and because I'm just an EMT with a GED, I'm telling you from my perspective, and I know that I'm in tune with quite a bit of the echelon out here, uh, just the voice of the one in crying out from the streets. Okay, so we know that the medical profession as a whole, the pool is tainted. Okay, so we get the diagnosis. Where do we go to get the next diagnosis to offset the death blow that we just got when we went and sat in our PCP's office and he just hit us, hit us in the head, uh, you know, as with the uh, old uh, Masonic adage there, where Hiram just got hit in the head. Where do we go to? Where do we turn? Well, where does the person turn to to go get another diagnosis that may be more favorable for him or her because the people who are doing it are have a different mindset than the establishment? Patrice. Thank, yes, sir. Thank you for that, Brother um, Rudolph. We have co- consultation services in what um, Mr. Victor Muhammad is developing is a new health paradigm. And in that new health paradigm, Brother Rudolph, we will be conducting those next steps as you're speaking of as far as consultation and have others whom we partner with, whom we trust, that can assist with the next steps forward whether that is another diagnostic tool to look at that diagnosis or if that is um, going to one of our specialists, uh, reviewing what you already had done, all of that is part of the consultation process. So we have that in place right now. And myself and I'd like also um, Victor Muhammad to uh, take take the next step from there. Question that uh, Brother Rudolph and others have raised are good questions. And I will start with a response in this manner. The African-American community and the black communities in the Caribbean and on the continent that is called Africa. If you visit each of them, they're very similar. You have black people who wander, W-A-N-D-E-R, throughout, throughout their communities with, with no guidance, and they really don't know into which directions to turn for uh, help. Um, about in 1994, I was blessed to develop the um, interferon alpha product that was used by the Abundant Life Clinic and Dr. Aline and five other doctors across the U.S. to treat HIV-AIDS patients. In fact, Brother Demetrius Muhammad 
announced during the Million Man March in October 1995 that he had been cured from AIDS. Now, that's his language, not mine. And, uh, And he reported during the Million Man March that his body no longer contained the virus that caused AIDS. Brother Demetrius was taking my product. That was 29 years ago. So today, in the last five years, between Dr. Patrice and other clinicians and other people, we've learned in the last five years that not only does that same product, uh, is it effective against HIV, AIDS, and viruses, but people who have contacted us in the last five years who have prostate cancer diagnosis, swollen prostate, uh, high PSA levels, this same supplement reported to us that their product, that their prostate, after they revisited their urologist, the prostate has shrunk. The, um, the, uh, the, uh, the PSA had, had fallen. And uh, even those who had been diagnosed with prostate cancer, uh, the prostate cancer was no longer visible as they reported it in accordance to what they were informed from their urologist when they went back to visit them. So there are some things that we can offer now, and people should get in touch with us. One of the other Uh, what would you call it, one of the other instruments that you can use to educate yourself and to gain information is uh, our website. Well, there's another website, and that website is natures, U-R-E-S hyphen V, as in Victor, dot com. And there we posted a considerable amount of, uh, of data from scientific studies on different diseases. You can actually educate yourself. Now, another point that the public should understand. Brother Victor, before you go into that point, um, I I apologize, but when you talked about your website, I want to make sure our audience gets it right. You spell your name V-I-C-T-E-R, correct? Right. But the website the website is natures, N-A-T-U-R-E-S hyphen V dot com. But, yes, oh, my me. name okay, is Bill. Oh, I'm yes, sorry. Sir. I thought you said Victor. Yes, sir. I apologize, yes, sir. Go right ahead. And so the, the second point, perhaps the most critical point of this entire discussion, what I made those who work alongside me, my peers, my collaborators, to understand is that the population of America, the African-American, and the population of this planet are not going to change their habits overnight. I'm sorry, that's just not going to happen. Because you must remember that Western medicine has had 6,400 years to brainwash the people of this world. They have invested trillions of dollars and thousands of years training people to see medical doctors as gods. 
And mm-hmm. if you go among the people today, you walk out of whatever dwelling you're in right now and go and sample the people, they still see the, the medical doctor as the be-all and end-all. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is systematically reducing their dependency on medical doctors and the medical industry. Uh, healthcare must be returned to a point where it is a service that is provided by the government and humanity and not a private, uh, a private practice or a private endeavor that's in the hands of those who seek economics and not the raising of the health standard of a, of a human population. Because today, health care is a business, and health care must never, ever, ever, ever be a business. Health care must be a service that is provided either by the government or by the community for the community where you compensate those who learn the ins and outs of the body, those who learn anatomy, physiology, cell biology, immunology, and you compensate them because they have to eat and, and buy bread for their family. But, but it can never be privatized because then the people are extorted. And the, mm-hmm. the health of the people are now in the hands of a select few. So we cannot continue to do that. So uh, we are working, uh, Brother Rudolph, Brother Yusuf, to now educate the people because that's what has to happen. We cannot help the people until we first educate them. And in order to do that, we must use a language that is designed to remove Satan from the dome that, uh, of the people's mind and replace that with, with, a, with an understanding and an ideology that lets them know that there are alternatives to medicine and that you don't have to submit to it and that the day that you take your baby in to get their vaccination, when, you're, when you've got a two-month-old newborn, when you give them their first vaccination, you have just turned them over to the medical establishment for, because from that day forward, the doctor will have a patient. Wow. I don't know if you all caught that. Uh, I yes, did, sir. Loud and clear. Go ahead, brother. Oh, yeah. oh no, no, no. Yes, sir. See, that's what I was getting at. Um, that's exactly what I was getting at. People could actually hear what they hear. Those, uh, those whom are truly seeking a solution, truth, um, they'll hear it. Those who are not, they're not. But as you said, we are charged with delivering a clear message. So I wanted it to be stated clear that this is where you can go to get a second test, to get counseling, to get a second opinion by people up for you, by you. So, yes, thank you. All praise is due to Allah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Brother Victor. 
Sister Dr. Patrice, and you know it's interesting, as Brother Minister Kareem talked about the importance of fasting, and of course we use as uh, uh, the foundation how to eat to live uh, by the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. Guess what was sent to my screen earlier today, family? I know you can't guess. My point is this medical... Yeah, 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 yeah. So you halfway on it. You halfway on it. Because look at yeah. the other half. Look at the antithesis to the thesis, Sister Carol. I just was sent something, uh, Brother Rudolph, from the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, pardon me. Yes, sir. Black family picture, smiling. Mm-hmm. Free educational dinner, blood mm-hmm. cancer in the black community. When does it start? Wednesday, next Wednesday, March 22nd. I'm not going to give the advertisement, but it's in Detroit, Brother Rudolph. Oh, place oh where, we'll talk offline then. Yes, sir. Where, where, where you can register. They have a doctor. They have a uh, clinical social worker. They have a patient advocate. So my point is, they're not done. You know, the man who makes money, he's not going to teach the man who he's getting the money from what it takes to overthrow. So they're still throwing out this bait to our community. And uh, I just found it interesting that the date is uh, depending on the showing of the moon around the same time that Ramadan is coming in. So uh, Sister Dr. Patrice, again, we want to thank you and those who you established on your team, Brother Victor Muhammad, Dr. Grace, Dr. Carol Muhammad, Minister Kareem Muhammad, for just sharing what Almighty God Allah has blessed them to give us so much, so much. Each one who participated, you know, in, in, in other venues, we can say, we could just drop the mic right there, but one came right after right. another. One came right after another. And so we're at right. 5.46 p.m., uh, moving toward the conclusion uh, of our program. If there's anyone on the panel, Dr. Patrice, who uh, desires to make a closing statement, then certainly we want to give you that opportunity because, again, we had originally said one hour but you gave us two hours of power, and for that we're eternally grateful. Well, yes, sir. I believe I can speak for the rest of the team members and and state that we are eternally grateful, and the pleasure is ours. Uh, I think we've said um, quite a bit, actually. We've given some directives. We've given some facts, and, and I believe that with that and with contact information with the website that um, Mr. Victor Muhammad gave, as well as uh, the, uh, our website where we can all be reached and connected with through Health at Its Best, we look forward to following up because we have much more and we can possibly go through the follow-up to prostate cancer, but also go into the new health paradigm and what mm-hmm. that looks like. You were talking about how to eat to live and intermittent fasting and uh, fasting overall. 
Um, so the new health paradigm includes that and more. And Mr. Victor Muhammad can assist with that because it actually is a goal and has been a goal of his for quite some time for us to really develop this new health paradigm as all of us on this call know and understand and realize we must have a new health paradigm if we are to survive and not become victims consistently of the health, um, the, the disproportionate uh, health, um, I wouldn't say benefits, the deficits that we receive in all categories. So I look forward to that. Beautiful. What an honor. We look yeah, forward man. to having you again. And thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you to all of those on your team. Go ahead, Brother Rudolph. Floor is yours, brother. Oh, no, 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 no. Go ahead, brother. I was just bearing witness to what she was saying. Yes. And so so, yeah, so was I. You've got to have a know, part two, three, four, and five. The new health care system, this paradigm, we definitely need that. You know, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said, in how to eat to live. If we eat the proper food and eat at the proper time, the food will keep us living a long, long time, quote, unquote. But there's also, you know, a regimen of exercise, a regimen of getting that vitamin D from the sun, a regimen of breathing fresh air. We look forward to having Sister Dr. Patrice and Brother Victor again. You can reach Sister Patrice at healthatitsbest.org or healthatitsbest at gmail.com. You can uh, reach our dear brother, Brother Victor, at nature's, I believe it's apostrophe, yes, hyphen dot com to learn more about, is that correct, Brother Victor? It's not apostrophe. It's not apostrophe. It's hyphen, a dash, like natures-v.com. Thank you so much for that correction, and I apologize for, for, for hearing it wrong. But we can go to natures-v.com to learn more about what the great work that Allah's blessing brother Victor to have done, is doing, and will do by his grace and mercy. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Brother Rudolph. We want to thank Brother Allah for calling in. And uh, brothers and sisters, stick with us that we can go further into prolonging our lives, not just physically, but spiritually. Not just physically, but mentally. I not try. Just physically but emotionally, where we rise above our emotions into the thinking of God or proper reasoning, that we won't get caught up in the pitfalls that are laying for us, the mind traps that are laying for us in the name of I'm improving my health. You know, we want to do what we want to do here on Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness to help you to survive on many different levels, whether it's viruses or vaccines, whether it's fire safety education or health and fitness, 
whether it's community risk reduction on all kinds of levels, we need you to survive. And so I'm going to let uh, Brother Rudolph close us out. Again, I'm just grateful. I'm just thankful to be a part of uh, helping to facilitate this wonderful uh, presentation that we had today. We want to thank our listening audience, again, our consistent and constant listeners, as well as our first-time listeners. We thank you all for the honor of your ear and the privilege of your presence. And so those of you who know me, I I can't help myself sometimes by using poetic language. And so I'll just say it this way, that even with these words shared by me and we, I guess it's still the way it used to be. The strength of a nation is its family, and real freedom is responsibility, the ability to respond legitimately by any means necessary. Lord willing, inshallah, we'll be next week on the other side of Ramadan, which is the ninth month of the lunar calendar, of the Muslim calendar, and we'll engage, Lord willing, in that a wonderful month that Allah will have many blessings for us if we strive to be more obedient today than we were yesterday. So thank you for listening once again. We look being with you next week as I'll give these last five minutes to our dear brother, Brother Rudolph Muhammad. Love you, family. As-salamu alaykum. Thanks, everybody. Alhamdulillah. Thank you, Dr. Grace. Thank you, Thank Sister you. Doctor. Alhamdulillah. Rabbi Lalameen. Yes. We thank everyone that's been a part of this program today, this week, from the guests that were on that spoke and that gave us a bit of medicine to heal us. You know, Scripture says there's a bomb in Gilead mm. to, heal the, to, to heal the sin-sick soul. There's a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. Well, what is a bomb? A bomb is like an ointment that is spread out across an infect area to bring about a healing. Well, they have certainly spread that truth out over this infected area called our dome. And you might feel a little tingling going on right now. Remember when you were younger? Well, I guess I'm talking about me, Brother Yusuf. And my mother used to do my hair when I was younger, and she used to use sulfur eight on my scalp. And after she would finish, it would be uncomfortable because there would be a tingling going on in my scalp, and I couldn't figure out what it was. Well, that's the feeling that we should be having now as truth is permeating the walls of falsehood that have been built up over the years by the lies that we have been told. So, That's right. you know, it's a beautiful thing. So let me close beautiful. with this. Mother to son. Well, son, I'll tell you. Life for me ain't been no crystal stair. It's had tacks in it and splinters and boards torn up and places with no carpet on the floor. There. But all the time I've been a-climbing on and reaching landings and turning corners and sometimes going in the dark where there ain't been no light. So, boy, don't you turn back. Don't 
don't you sit down on the steps because you find this kind of hard. Don't you fall now. For I still going, honey. I still climbing. And life for me ain't been no crystal stair. That's a poem entitled Mother to Son, written by Langston Hughes. Well, you know, Mom exhibits a peculiar kind of love. Mother is the one who is in your corner when the whole world is against you. That's right. Mother is the one who, when you've had that bad day, if you get, you, you're in school and they done picked on you and bullied you all day, they done took your lunch money, they took your Twinkies from you, they snatched your lunchbox and, and, and took your lunch and threw your book bag back and forth and your papers done fell out and you had to pick them up. If you could just make it home to mom, everything would be all right. Well, mother to son is a symbolic of a hug that you get from your mother when your day is going bad. And so that this right here is letting us know that there's the most. See, this isn't a sprint we're running. It's a marathon. And so to get to the 40-yard dash before everybody, that's good, but you still got another 150 yards to go, so pace yourself. So what we want to do is we want you to digest what you can from this meal this week and to understand that Ramadan See, we are serving a real God, a right-now God, an on-time God, a God That's who right. hears and answers prayers in real time. There's no delay. The wheel is not spinning because there's no Wi-Fi for us. The, the, we ask for something, and he delivers. Bang. Ramadan is about to start. Well, what is Ramadan to those who are not Muslims? Ramadan is a reset for your internal computer. What, Brother Rudolph? You know how when you're going slow and you keep getting those pop-ups and you can't stop it, you get so frustrated, you just shut the whole damn thing off? Allows your computer to reset? Well, that's what Ramadan is. Ramadan is a reset for your spirit. It's a reset for your soul. It's a way for you to get back in tune with the creator, the architect of your and my existence. And what do we do during Ramadan? We focus on prayer, on prayer and fasting. We get up out of our beds. We drag our lazy Lazarus selves out of our beds at the door <laughs> or before the dawn of day so that we can speak to communicate with our Lord, and we can have that quiet time to talk to him and then to have him talk back to us. I was taught by a great scholar in Islam. May Allah be pleased with our brother, Brother Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad, that when you want to talk to God, you pray. When you want God to speak to you, you open that book and read his words. Beautiful. That's what we do. We make prayer first, and then we sit down and we read in the name of our Lord so that God can communicate directly. No intercessors, no one there to pray. You, God, then you fast 
or abstain from food, drink, frivolous activity, from um, uh, um, crazy conversations. You even have sometimes have to fast from company that you are normally involved with during Ramadan in order to maintain the peace that you need and serenity that you need to successfully make it through. But if you hold fast and just walk this journey with the God, if you can hold on these 30 days on the other side, what you will receive is a new individual, a new reality. We know that it takes how many days to make or break bad habits, Brother Yusuf? 21, sir. So in these 30 days, you have not only broken the bad habit of eating four, five, six times a day, you've not only broken the bad habit of whatever else you do to the, during the day that keeps you away from your God, you've created the good habit of doing now it's just a matter of maintaining it, holding on to it. So, again, Ramadan is a reset for the spirit, for the mind, the body, and the soul, if you but new. So I'm going to leave it with that, brother. Thank you, brother. Always a pleasure. Love you and the family, and there's nothing you can do about it. And from me and my wife and my family to you and yours and the listening family, we thank you. We pray, Allah, that you have a blessed week, and we pray, Allah, that you have a blessed Ramadan, and let's get it. Let's get ready to rumble with Satan. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikum salam, sir.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.